It is the last day of 2017. And each of us probably have different ways of celebrating. Back in my earliest years, it was one of the few times I got to stay up late. But we had something at our church called the Watch Night Service. And we would gather at church and the service would start like 10-ish or so. And, and all of us kids, we'd be looking at our watches. And my dad, who was the pastor, kept going on and on and on. He would always go past midnight. And when he went past midnight, you know, we're all waiting just for that opportunity to be able to shout and scream. That was pretty wild, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what your plans are, but I'm so glad that you saw it important to come this morning. And I trust really that your hearts will be filled, that you'll be so grateful that you came and you met with God's people and you're able to praise and sing and, and have your hearts nourished some way. You know, I do trust that you have a good year. I don't pray anymore for health, although I hope you all have that. I don't pray for success, although it'd be nice if every one of you could pay your bills and enjoy the life that God has given you, because I know life's hard. I do. I pray that you have a year of growth. I pray that you learn to trust God differently than you did last year. I pray that you see God differently than you saw him in 2017. You know, a new year often brings hope. And new usually brings excitement, sometimes fear. But nobody hopes for a lousy year or a year with deteriorating relationships. We want a year that's filled with life. Abundant in growing relationships. We want to gather more besties and buds and go deeper with every one of them. So a Dear John letter on the first day of the year is a bad letter. Now in some ways at least, you know, where you stand with this person... But one of the worst feelings in the world is betrayal in a relationship. Your bud has joined another team and wasn't afraid to tell you. You know, this is exactly how God felt in 700 B.C. Now, granted, I think that maybe... He has felt this way at other times, but especially around 700 B.C. God was hurt, and Israel, God's chosen people, well, they were stupid. Let's dig in and see what lessons we can learn today. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you that you would open our eyes. I pray, Father, that the prophet Micah's words would... Help us understand who you are and give us fuel for 2018. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. If you would, why don't you turn to the book of Micah. It's a hard one to find. It's in the Older Testament, and it's perfectly okay to go to your table of contents. 
but it's a minor prophet. It's only seven chapters long. Some of you know where Jonah is. That's a, that's a very important book for some people. And you can just go, the very next book is Micah. And we're going to turn to Micah chapter 6, starting at verse 3. Let me read it for you. Oh, my people, God talks through Micah. What have I done to you? Can, can you even just imagine if God were to be verbal with you, and you wake up one day, and he kind of looks down, and he says, Hey, Rick, Rick, what have I done to you? You're going, Oh, whoa, you're God. Like, uh, you never do anything wrong, God. You've not done one thing to me, you know. I just want to be really clear on this. But God's asking a little bit more forceful. And God's kind of peering down and using this prophet. And he says, what have I done, Israel, to make you tired of me? Answer me. How come you've gone astray? How come you have left Israel? What have I done to make you tired of me? Let me give you just a little bit of background here. From the very beginning, God established a covenant. That's a relationship between two people who are God and Israel. And from the very, very beginning... God just made it clear. He said, what I want you to do, Israel, is to listen to me. I am God. I am an amazing God. I am a God that is faithful. I'm a God that's loving. I'm a God that's merciful. If you listen to me, I will make sure that you are well taken care of. But, if you don't listen to me, if you get selfish, if you do your own thing, if you follow after other gods, well, that won't be good. Because all of a sudden, you're going to live a life that's, well, hardly existence. You're going to have a few buzzes here and there, but ultimately the fruit and the pain that will happen from anyone running from me is disastrous. So God was faithful on his end, all the way from the beginning. But Israel, as you read through the Older Testament, which is, well, given to us so much to understand the story of who God is and how to respond to God and actually how not to respond to God. And Israel was quite flirty with every other God. Let's face it. In any of our relationships, if you've entered one, and the other person is a jerk. Now, I know you never would be. But if the other person was a jerk, it's really hard to be faithful to them, isn't it? I mean, you start thinking of all kinds of excuses. Well, maybe you shouldn't, like, hang out with them anymore. Well, God is just so different than we are. And in spite of the way that people treated God and how unfaithful they were and how they basically ran their own lives, God loved them. 
God was way more than anything that you could imagine. He was more loving and kind and forgiving and gracious and merciful and just and powerful. We don't know of any person like that. Every once in a while, you may show one of these characteristics and you may be really kind or you may be understanding or you may be merciful, you may be forgiving. But if a person offends you a second time or a third time or a fourth time or a fifth time, you draw a line in the sand, most of us. So that's it. I'm done. I'm not trying anymore. You officially crossed into Jerkville. I'm done. But the truth is, is that every one of us, well, we haven't been as faithful to God as we had hoped. So God starts off asking, all I have ever been to you is faithful. So why are you tired of me? Let's look at verse 4 and 5. He says this, For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. I sent Moses and Aaron and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember my people, how King Balak of Moab tried to have you cursed, and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead? And remember your journey from the Ikea Grove to Gilgal, when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you faithfulness. You know, we just celebrated Christmas, where every ad on TV or every billboard that you see or every radio Uh, type of ad have convinced us that we all need an upgrade. Am I right? I mean, I don't know if any of you got the Lexus with the bow on it, okay? I'm thinking, does that ever really happen? The bow thing, you know, maybe you get the Lexus, I don't know. And if you did, I'm happy for you. But I look around, and whether it's a phone, whether it's a TV, did you get the curved TV yet, the LED, the, the, the special, never mind. And I keep looking at my TV, and I go like, how much better can this TV get? Like, do I really need all that? Well, you do know they come in a 75-inch model now. Well, that's not bad if you're partially blind. You know, I get it. But I just keep looking at all of these upgrades. So sometimes we even think we need an upgrade in relationships. You know? Like, you know what? My wife isn't as good as she used to be and as beautiful as she used to be. and And you just put it in there. And that's kind of what our culture says over and over and over again. You know what? The new model, the better model, the model. No one has ever produced anything that says you will never, ever need an upgrade because we'd probably buy it, wouldn't we? Wouldn't that be a great guarantee? But that's our God. You see, our God, there is nothing better than God. Nobody understands how loving and gracious and wonderful that our God is. And yet often we think, well, wait a minute, here's some other gods. Uh, Success, or money, or fame. And we think that these are really going to fill our souls. 
And back during, well, the 700 B.C.s, there was this Canaanite religion, and it was unbelievable to the eyes. Temple prostitutes. I mean, there were things like you can't even imagine that will just blow your senses away. Well, why would I worship Yahweh when I could go indulge in every kind of fantasy that I would ever want to indulge in? At church. Think of that. Whoa. But they didn't understand all the consequences and, and all the things that would happen as a result of them leaving their God. There wasn't a need for an upgrade. We've never heard of that. God is God. He has the best. And he just reminded them, I redeemed you from slavery. Do you remember how bad it was? No, you don't, because that was 400 years ago. That was a long time ago. But I want you to know, slave and free, always go for the free. Okay? Way better. No matter what they gave you in Egypt, no matter how great the facilities were, free is always better. He says, I redeemed you. I gave you some amazing leaders, some leaders that actually listened to me, some leaders that spent time with me, some leaders you could trust. How wonderful would that be? If every place you went, your leaders were trustworthy. In government? Whoa, that would be nice, huh? At church? In your business? At your school? That people would literally say what they mean. And they would look to your best interest. Wouldn't that be odd in some ways? Wouldn't it? But this is God. He says, I protected you even when prophets like Balaam tried to curse you. I stuck up for you. I took care of you, Israel. I guided you through the wilderness to Jordan, over Jordan, into the land filled with milk and honey. And you can read all the way through, especially Exodus and Numbers, on how God took care of his people. It's pretty cool. In the desert, he had a cloud at night, or in the daytime that shielded them from the sun. And at night, there was this burning column that lit up everything. So they didn't even need street lights. How cool is that? Provided food for you every day. Made sure you had water. Made sure your clothes never wore out. Isn't that amazing? You didn't have to buy a pair of shoes until you crossed over into the promised land. How cool is that? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I was faithful even during that journey in spite of your behavior, and you are still chasing after other gods. Don't you realize that I am the God of gods? Now there's an abrupt shift in verse 6. And you can look at that and read through that. But what happens is that Micah is actually pointing out why Israel is tired of the Almighty. To us, it's a little hard to imagine if God was providing for them. It's a little hard for us to recognize how much he provides for us. But back then, we can look at that and say, whoa, why was Israel so dense? Why didn't they follow God with all their hearts? What's wrong with them? Well, Mike is actually pointing out that Israel is tired of the Almighty because they are focusing on religious activity rather than a relationship. 
They are focused on doing to please God rather than enjoying God. And we have the same issues today. We think that somehow church or religion is what we do to please our Almighty. And when God from the very beginning says, I just want to hang out with you. I want you to get to know me. Because if you get to know me, your life literally changes. So let's look at verse 6 and read through the first part of verse 9. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring Him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer Him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what He requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Fear the Lord if you are wise. His voice calls to everyone in Jerusalem. Do what is right, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, and fear the Lord. What Mike is saying is that you are missing out on the greatest relationship in the world because you are focusing on religion. Focus on the relationship and live. So I'm going to start with walk humbly with your God. We're going to start here because literally everything flows from our relationship with God. We are incapable of treating others well in our own strength. There are times we can love. There are times we can be merciful. There are times that we can, well, be kind and generous and compassionate. But that will never flow from us unless we have this connection with the Almighty. You see, walking means spending time with your God, your Savior, your Messiah, your King. And a humble walk with God means you're looking to Him for guidance, wisdom, strength, power, timing, and perspective. Wow. You know, submission to any authority is hard. But if God is the perfect authority, and He's the most loving authority, then all of a sudden, it makes it joyful to submit to Him. You know, the opposite of humility, which is, going to God and receiving and desiring and listening and submitting is living your life, well, your own way. Because sometimes we're deceived that God's way isn't best. I'm really smarter than God. I know better how to spend my money. I know better how to spend my time. I know better how to... Isn't that, I I mean, that's the epitome of arrogance, I, I think. And we would never say that. We would never put a sign up and say, you know what, my way is better than God's way. We'd be afraid of lightning. 
All right? I don't know if God still does that, but I still would be afraid of lightning. You know, maybe I'd be the first one that he decides, well, I'm pulling this one out of the, out of the tricks, you know. But sometimes we don't say it and just live like that. Okay? And we live like that because we really don't trust God. We really don't know God. We think God, well, our culture thinks God will just put a bunch of shackles on us and make life boring. We've bought it. And Israel certainly bought it. But he is the perfect, loving authority. Pride is the opposite of humility. And as you read the scriptures all the way through it, arrogance is an abomination unto God. In Proverbs 6, the wisest man on the planet gave us a, a list of seven things that God absolutely detests. Number one on the list is pride or arrogance. Whoa. You know, David learned this. David was a man after God's own heart. David was, wow, an unbelievable king. And there was hardly, a, probably, a time when Israel had it better than during David's reign. But many of you know David chose to do his own thing and go his own way one day in the spring. And he committed murder and he committed adultery. And it took him about a year to confess this sin. And when he did, his heart was broken. And he writes Psalm 51, an amazing psalm. But I'd like to go to Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. And here's what David writes after this repentance is going on. He says, God, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit or it could be translated a humble heart. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Interesting, at the end of chapter 51, David basically just says this. He goes, you know what, now I can sacrifice. Because with the right heart, you're pleased with sacrifices. Sacrifices weren't given to make you look good. Sacrifices are given to model over and over and over again that we need a mediator. We need our sins taken care of. And ultimately, when Jesus came, he was the last sacrifice and his blood shed for us so that we might have a connection permanently with our God. I also think, and most of us, uh, again, you have a little bookmarker that you can take home and remind yourself of this verse in your bulletin. But verse 9 is often not associated. The fear of God. But actually, I think the fear of God is part of walking humbly with God. I think sometimes we don't want to talk about the fear of God. We're afraid of God that He might punish us. Well, you see, the fear of God is much more than being afraid of God that He might punish us. It's unbelievable respect. 
It's, it's recognizing the authority and how important the Almighty God is. And the fear of God is, hey, God is going to do what He says, but I also respect God so much. And because I respect God, I want to listen to God. And so one of the roles, especially for parents, and it's so hard, but it's to teach your kids to fear God because you yourself are fearing God. You know, very early in the um, Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, Moses writes this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God, and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all of your heart and all of your soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So realistically, walking humbly with God is spending time with God every single day. Now some of you are newer to our church, but but if you've been around for the last year, some of you know that I leave next Sunday to go teach a week up at Nicolay Bible Institute. And I get to teach one class to the students up there, and it's called um, Intimacy with God. And for four days, I get to share with students who God is and how important it is to connect with God. Say, Rick, how can you talk that long? about who God is and how to stay connected with God. It's absolutely one of the highlights of my year. To be able to just focus on our amazing God and then help those students connect with God in a new and a fresh way. Hopefully, it'll change not only their year, but the rest of their lives. Then Micah says this, do what is right. I want you to walk humbly with your God, and I want you to do what is right. Really, what he's saying is treat others justly with integrity. You see, again, once you get to know God, and once you see how God deals with you and deals with others, and you know what is right and what is wrong, you have an opportunity to stick out in our culture. Because when you treat people justly, it's really different. You have an opportunity to share God's principles, not yours. And then he ends up saying, love, mercy. This is an amazing word in the Hebrew language. It's called chesed. Chesed is usually translated loving kindness. It shouts, if you were to read this in the original, about who God is. This is one of the descriptors of God that is so very, very, very clear. That God is filled with loving kindness and mercy. And what he is saying is that love treats love treating others with chesed, with loving kindness. So I want you to treat others justly. And I want you to treat others, well, actually the way God treats you. Mercifully. 
lovingly. Well, I remember when, uh, when God gets a little ticked at times and, uh, you know, he, he uh, brings it down. Well, I think there's times that that happens. But as you read, especially through the Older Testament, you will see that our God is a God who's merciful and gracious and filled with loving kindness. Micah then closes powerfully in chapter 7, starting at verse 18. And I'm going to read that for you. As soon as I find it, how could I miss it? Here we go. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you'll have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them in the depths of the ocean. You will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob long ago. There is no God like you. You show us your faithfulness. You show us your unfailing love. And we benefit from that. How cool is that? To start a new year recognizing how much God, Creator God, King Jesus loves you. Whoa. You know what, there's some huge takeaways I'd like to just focus on before we continue to praise and to worship. 2018 starts tomorrow. And Micah's words are actually pretty relevant. Because the question I'm asking you is, are you tired of existing? Are you tired of the rat race? Are you trying to satisfy your own soul with your own means? Or are you ready for a fresh year that depends upon God for all your wisdom, strength, direction, protection? That you will be able to see God differently because there is no God like God. God. You know, as I was looking through the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, and we have unbelievable tools available to us right now, whether it be electronically or just online or, or whatever, but you can do searches so quickly. But the whole Old Testament is filled with this term. There is no one like you, God. In Deuteronomy, in Exodus, in 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Isaiah, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, Jeremiah, Psalms. Those are just some things up on the screen. Where the authors and the people are so overwhelmed and say, God, you are gracious, you're blowing my mind. I don't know anybody like you. So the question is, if that's true, if that's true, what would be the greatest investment of your time come 2018? Is to get to know the God of gods. 
Make it a year of knowing God and making Him known. Realistically, life comes down to knowing Christ and making Him known. So here's my challenge for you this year, this new year. All right? Walk daily with Jesus. Walk daily with Jesus. Now, up on the screen, you're going to see a bunch of different things. And some of you, actually, last year, it was the same challenge. But I am so excited about tomorrow. Do you you want to know what's going to happen tomorrow? I get my new Bible. Okay. Now, I did not wear out my old Bible yet. But every year, January 1st, I start reading from a new Bible. And I start remarking it. And I start putting in things that I want to remember. And so this Bible is a very good Bible. And it's all marked up. We're done in 2017. So next week you'll see me with my new Bible. My very little marked Bible. But probably for years and years, I I don't even know how many years, and you'll see this out as you leave I have printed out, again, and it could be something else, but my favorite is the Discipleship Journal handout for reading through the Scriptures. You can read through the whole Scriptures in one year. You can read through all the Scriptures in two years. You can read through all the Scriptures in three years or all the Scriptures in four years. All right? There's different plans to do that. And I love it because... Here it is. Here is 2017, my marked up one right here. And I just keep it in my Bible. And what's so cool is that in this plan, if you read daily, you have an opportunity to spend time with Jesus every day because it's in the Gospels. They'll be part of an Old Testament. They'll be part of poetry. And they'll be part of a New Testament kind of uh, epistle or letter. And I love every week hearing from all of God's perspective. Because I want you to know, I can't make it unless I spend time with our God daily. Now what's really cool, I have some other things up there. And I I want you to know, some of you are a little bit more electronic. You don't want the paper. I get it. So there are some amazing things. Number one, my number one favorite app, all right, is called Read Scripture. All right? And you can go on, don't go on now of whatever you do, but you read Scripture. It is so cool. You will, again, give you different plans. But what I love about Read Scripture is that it is made studying the Bible rather exciting. All right? If you were going to look at Micah, there would be about a six-minute video introduction to Micah. Because if you don't understand Micah or understand the background of Micah, it's really hard to understand the words of Micah. And likewise, if you read in Matthew, you'll get the same thing. And what's so cool is that you'll be able to read through the Scripture, understanding a little bit of the background and being able to make some very unbelievable applications. Bible Gateway is so cool. Bible Gateway, if you've never gone on, it's got this parallel thing. I love it, all right? You can go to a certain passage and keep hitting this little, on the very right, there's like this little thing, hit it. 
And then you can put another version next to it. And another version. I've only gone up to four versions in, in one time. But it's so cool is that you can go down and you read the scriptures and you see what it says in different English translations. So maybe you have a little bit better idea. And actually, in version, which is the top left, and Bible Gateway, if you want to do this discipleship journal reading thing, it's right in there too. It's one of the plans. What's so cool about the electronic stuff is if you want to read through the New Testament in a month, you can do that. If you want to read through the um, book of John in a month, it'll break it out for you. There are so many different reading plans. And I'm not just saying, hey, let's just read it to read it. Let's just say, hey, at the end of 2018, let's everyone raise your hand who read through the Bible. La-di-da. All right? I guess what I'm hoping for is that as you get to know this God who is no one like this God, all of a sudden you do things because you love God. You give because you love God. You serve because you love God. You can't do anything else. It's your reasonable sacrifice. God, you've done all this for me. You treat people at work differently. You treat your family differently. There's no doubt that I wear crabby pants when I don't spend time with God. And Rick's just not fun to hang out with. He's just not. Hopefully he's a little more fun to hang out with when he spends time with God. But how cool is that? A new start, a fresh start. Here it is. And I just want to say this, that you will have fewer regrets in 2018 if you spend time with God. I guarantee it. I do. How cool would that be? Well, how would our church look differently? And again, we're not jam-packed today. We're, you know, we're, we're not having people you know, stand up because there are no seats. But what about the folks right here? What would happen if we literally spend time with God every day? If we got His perspective, His insight, his wisdom. Oh. I think things would be different. Am I mad at you? Am I mad at me? No. I just know God has more for us than we ever could imagine. And it all starts with spending time with God. On your way out, if you want to get a paper copy, it's in the lobby. I want to encourage you again, if any of you are struggling with the Scriptures or want to plan or want to figure out how to study the Bible differently or how to understand God, I, I'd love to meet with you. I'd love to spend time with you. I'd love to get you in right places so that you might grow and thrive in 2018. Not because of your circumstances, though, again, I hope they're good. But you see, a relationship with God doesn't depend on what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, or what your title is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
We thank you for the example again of a nation that just struggled with you. And they kept going the Canaanite way and, and you just went right at them. So how come you're tired of me? There, there's no one like me. Father, would you open our eyes? Would we see you so clearly in 2018 that our lives and our church and our neighborhoods and our world changes? In Jesus' name, amen.